You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. We got some phone calls we got to get to, get through, get, I don't know. I, I had two, that's all I had. Same situation as yesterday, I've got a bunch that I probably can't use anymore, but I will try. I will try to go back in time and and use those phone calls from last week and whatnot, but, you know, trying to, trying to use the calls that are relevant to today so we'll start with that and i'm going to try to pick out a couple if i can uh we got a first time caller though so that's where we start as soon as i change the sentence here as i fill time by saying words that are inspiring and true and righteous hi this is matt from madison hey matt from madison uh calling in thought i'd contribute to the podcast appreciate Uh, that to be honest i listen to the Initial takes of the podcast and thought after the team was a bit hit or miss, uh, but overall not too concerned. And then listened to the podcast and sound heard everybody, man, the tone probably wouldn't have been that much different if we had gotten blown out by the Patriots. And so this might sound overly optimistic, but it's kind of to balance out some of the calls from yesterday. All right. So if you look at the team, like 17 points given up by the defense is not that bad. Right. It was the 26 most points from this past week, which is pretty good. If you look at it as yards per play, the Patriots were 27th on offense, which apparently looked stagnant and discoordinated. Uh, the Packers were third most in yards. And even if you take away overtime, uh, we were seventh in yards per play. I mean, I just feel like everybody's kind of blowing a lot out of the out of proportion after one game where we still ended up winning. Um, yeah, I think to be honest, the biggest thing is turnovers. Uh, we're near the last and near last in the league in turnover differential. I think uh, maybe this is the new Packers. Maybe we're just a team that turns the ball over a lot and doesn't get them. But this seems to have been a staple of the Packers over the past three years. And so if there's anything that's going to turn around, it's probably going to be that. Um, Yeah, other than that, love the content. Keep it up. And uh, thanks. Bye. So the first thing I have to do is kind of fact check all that. Uh, Not that I don't trust you. I just, you know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole and then have somebody message me and be like, you know, that guy was full of crap, right? So... (laughs) And just as you're talking, I'm trying to look some of that stuff up um, and then try to remember what all you said. I did have some comments. Let, let's get to the comments sort of first of all before we get into the specifics of the rankings and all that stuff. First of all, I do appreciate a more positive spin. We need that, um, especially moving forward. We won. A lot of good to take away from it, et cetera, et cetera. So thanks for calling and giving us that. Uh do 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 so, first of all, I think the defense overall, I, I, I can't speak for everybody that called in. So I'll speak for myself and assume that many people would agree. It's not that everything is wrong. And from a point standpoint, yeah, it's, it's not bad. 
it's still a fact that we knew with 100,000% certainty that all they could do was run, and they were going to do it over and over and over and over, and we couldn't stop it, and that's a problem. Now, granted, if you're going to have a problem, you'd rather have that than the alternative, which would be passing. Because if we couldn't stop the pass, they would have run up the score on us. So, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, I don't even want to say a minor problem because it's not, because it creates, I mean, we saw, why did Bailey Zappi have success passing? Because they had so much success running. That was the only reason he could do anything. There was no pass rush. Guys were wide open. Why? Because we're selling out so hard to stop the run, we can't do it anyways. That would be the frustration on defense. It's not that we lost. It's not that we gave up a billion points, especially when you, I, I wanted to look at uh, field position also, because I wish there was some kind of a metric. I don't, I don't like the fact that when you look at rankings offensively and defensively, it's, you know, points given up. Well, that's team points given up. And we, we mistakenly attribute defense to points given up. And it's not, it's team points given up. Same with points scored. The Patriots were Patriots offense is going to rank higher than they should because points that was scored by the Patriots defense. So there should be some kind of a metric for, first of all, how many points your offense scored. And second of all, field position. You know, if, if your defense gets you seven points and then you go, you know, go three and out the next time you get the ball. And then the next time your defense gets a pick and you get the ball on the 10 yard line and punch it in after seven tries, you know, you got 14 points in a quarter, but your offense sucks. Anyways, I'm off on a tangent here. I just, I was just thinking about that. As far as the offense, it's kind of similar. I, I don't know about the specifics and all that. I know there's a lot of negatives to go along with all the, you know, let's be honest, cherry picked statistics. However, as much as there are positives, you cannot tell me that you don't see anything negative. And we can't just simply brush it off. It's, it's a lot like what I say about PFF grades. I know they don't mean everything. And at the end of the day, the, the stats are all that matters. It's the production. But what I'm saying is, when you see a negative grade, I have a bad feeling that the stats are going to stop. They're going to dry up because these things can be fleeting. You know, what happens to the Packers if they don't get that big completion to Alan Lazard? We get curb stomped by the Patriots. There's a lot of things that went perfect for us just on the stretch for us to even win the game. And I, I don't think it needed to be that way. And, I, and this is coming from somebody that expected it to be a close game, but it, it didn't have to look that way. And you mentioned turnovers. That's a big problem. We're not usually a big turnover team, and that's a big issue. You know, not sure. And, and, you know, you also mentioned that it's one week. It's not one week. We looked terrible week one. We looked disjointed, as you said, week two. We couldn't start or week uh, week four. We couldn't tackle to save our lives in week two. Offense could offense. Our offense has not been able to score in two out of four weeks. We scored seven against Minnesota and fourteen against um, against Tampa, and we only got to twenty against New England until overtime came around or, or twenty four. I mean, these are not big, heavy hitter numbers, and, and, and there's issues. So you're right. It, it, people are probably overblowing some of this, but it's, it's things that are real. To what degree that you want to panic about it or, or be upset about it is up to you, but you cannot say these aren't problems because they are. Aaron Rodgers in the first half of this game looked terrible. He did. He, he made bad decisions. He was jittery. The, the accuracy was off. He even admitted it. And that's the other thing. Everything that everybody's calling in and saying the players are all coming out and saying it also. Rogers said he played terribly. He took he took blame for his play and his level of play and how it needs to be better. He took blame for even the Romeo Dobbs pass. He said that was a bad pass. He took blame for the Christian Watson pass. He said that was a bad pass. But then you got Dobbs, he fumbles a ball. You got Dobbs, he dropped a pass. You know, the blocking hasn't been good. I mean, again, all these things are real. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's up to you whether you want to say that I don't like it and they need to fix it or just say, I don't really care. They won and I'm, you know, I don't think it'll cause us problems down the line, which I think is, is the main crux of the issue here. Do you worry that these issues at some point are going to be detrimental? And for all the callers that called in were upset, the answer to the question is yes. In fact, the coaches and players eventually mentioned that if you listen to Rogers and listen to LaFleur, they didn't like the question, but eventually came around to the point where they said, if we continue playing this way, we will not win big games. And that's the concern. And yeah, we beat the Patriots. Cool. We, we, we beat them in overtime. But this isn't good enough. That's, that's the issue. So, you know, should we be happier that we won? Probably. But I think it's just, I think it's just fear. Because 
what happens the rest of the season is weighing a little heavier for a lot of us than the fact that we beat a team that everybody thought we'd blow out, that we went into overtime against, you know? It's hard to do <laughs> a, too big of a victory lap about a team that you were supposed to blow out. It was the largest point spread the entire week. It was supposedly the biggest mismatch, which I always thought was stupid to begin with, but that was the expectation coming in, and we almost lost, and that was with that was with Mac Jones, and then Mac Jones wasn't playing, and then it was with Brian Hoyer, and then Brian Hoyer didn't play, and then it was with Bailey Zappi. And again, he's getting way too much credit. He didn't do jack squat this entire game. But still, the fact that he was the guy in there meant that they were one-dimensional and our defense still struggled. I know they, they got the big three stops at the end and all that, and that's awesome. But, you know, again, it's real. These things happened. Percentage of drives ending in an offensive score, 28.3%, which ranks 29th. You know, that's that's also a cherry-picked stat. Average points scored per drive, we rank 24th. How about just points scored in general, we're 22nd. So, I mean, it's early in the season, and there's a lot of stupid stuff going on with, with bad teams looking good because they're going up against bad teams, and a lot of this will kind of level out. Maybe not the Lions so much because they're just, they're they're off to historic levels of, of I don't even know what that team is. Are they, let me check. Because I've been listening to a lot of stuff about the Lions. Are they seriously number one in both points and points given up right now? Yep, they are number one in points, number one in yards, number 32 in points, number 32 in yards, (laughs) given up. (laughs) That's amazing. They are, and I'm not the first person to make this, this statement, I'm stealing it, but they are... Number the number one scoring they they're the number one offense in football and they're one and three, that's shocking. It, it, that that just shows you how historically garbage this defense is, historically terrible. And I know a lot of that is is fake yards and fake stuff by you know because of two games where you got blow out blown out and some garbage time stuff that was going on. But still, you have to have some level of competence and um, to to get forty five, thirty six, and thirty five points. I don't know. That's that's crazy. Anyways, we're not talking about the Lions. Um, all right, real quick, just touching on some of the stats, just so I can um, corroborate that. Because again, you pointed out some pretty good, um, important things to remember as far as things not being nearly as bad as we're making them out to be. So, the first thing, points given up, seventeen points. You're right. That's that is very low. Um, the only issue I have with that is that we're not the only team to get a pick six. So we'd have to go in and find out everybody else that did it and then find out where they would rank. Maybe we'd still be roughly the same. But um, yeah, that would make us, if I switch this here, uh, where the heck are the... Oh yeah, Uh, we would be tied for fifth with Tennessee, fifth best defensive performance. Arizona gave up 16, Cincinnati gave up 15, the Giants gave up 12 to the Bears, Dallas gave up 10 to Washington. So, and, and it is still a premier um defense right now in terms of points given up you know and you you look at what Tampa Bay just did to Kansas City and I know they were playing some catch up and I know they had Mike Evans back and all that but still they they put up some serious points and we've got the number seven ranked defense in football um we're, we're we're doing we're doing pretty good 24 points is the most we've given up to any team which sucks because it's supposedly this team that has this garbage offense that can't do anything offensively or whatever but it's still at the end of the day just 24 points So yes, fifth best, if you remove the pick six, the fifth best uh, defensive performance. Um, Yards per play, New England was the fourth lowest this week. That's true, which makes sense when you run the ball 95% of the time, though, which is kind of the issue, right? I mean, again, this is kind of where statistics get to be kind of stupid. A five-yard pass is nothing. A five-yard run is pretty impressive. And if they're running for five yards every single play, they're going to be really low in this statistic while still being successful. So it's a successful play with a, you know, which is negative in this particular category. So I'll give you half credit for that one. But yeah, yards per play, the Packers were seventh with 6.24 yards per play. And you got Seattle and Detroit at the top of the list, which, you know, is largely because of the two worst defenses in football. Houston, also very high. Don't know why. But <laughs> just the three... Maybe the three worst teams in all of football are the three top teams on this list. Seattle, Detroit, and Houston, followed by Tampa, Miami, the Chargers, and then the Packers. So there are positives. That's that's the point. Uh, Matt did call back, but uh, we'll, we'll go back up to the top of the list and run our way back through. 
And uh, we got uh, Brett, Britt, Brad here with a call from Merrimack. Hey, Ryan. It's Britt from Merrimack hey. again. Now that I've had some more time to digest the game, I was thinking, how much longer are they going to keep Amari Rogers returning kicks and punts? My goodness. I saw a couple times that Rich Passaggia just chewed him a new one, which he rightfully deserves to do. But my gosh. Are we going to just have to deal with him for the rest of the year? Or what do you think is going to be the point where it's like, nope, you're done. We can't have you on this team anymore or whatever. And after they do that, who do you think they will replace him with? Well, I think, I think that's the issue. I, I, I feel like there's something very specific that happened that I'm just not remembering. Um, I think Amari is very boring which at this point I'm fine with. We don't have a dynamic returner. There are maybe four or five teams that do. There's not very many of them out there. Um, the Bears thought they had one. But <laughs> talk about suck. I know it was his first game back, but that was that was brutal. I don't know if you saw Velas Jones' uh, debut, but wow. But no, I mean, he, he's, he reminds me of every Packers returner of all time, with the exception you know, of, of a short stint with Randall Cobb, a couple nice returns by Trevor Davis, and then, you know, you go back to the 90s or something. But, you know, it's just, there's nothing super special there. And I think that's what you're going to get from most people. I don't think there's anybody on the team that's going to do better. I mean, you could try Christian Watson if you wanted to. He's not really getting a prominent role on the offense anyways. He's getting, what, 15 snaps? He can afford to take three or four kick returns. And he's he's at least got, a, a, you know, electrifying enough speed to be able to steal a couple extra yards before somebody pops him. My concern would be more so the fact that he, I don't want to say he's glass because it's not an injury thing, but I've seen him take some hits and uh, he looks like he's about 140 pounds when he takes a hit. He kind of like stops and, and kind of curls up into the fetal position and takes a pop and goes flying. Um, I, I would just be kind of concerned with his durability with that role. But I, I would bet he would, you know, if we're just if we're just talking yards, I would bet he'd get more yards than Amari. Punts, I don't know. Usually kick off you're a little bit more straight line speed type like like um Christian Watson. Punt return, you're more shifty elusive. Kind of what we've seen from Dobbs, but I don't I don't think he gets that job at this point. Christian, I'm not sure. Again, aside from just stealing yards, but you also have to consider the drop issue which are real for Christian Watson. And as much as it's like, well, he's not going to drop most of the time. When you're talking returns, you are your job is to never drop it. And I think we've seen Amari do that once already, which sucks. But, you know, I, I think you get one or two a season, as long as it doesn't get turned over. That I would, I would assume that's the standard. Uh, everybody gets one kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, it's just... I, I, I just don't think there's there's guys floating around that are top-tier dynamic returners. I, I think if you can get a guy that's boring and can catch the ball and can run forward for five yards, fine. I know the one point of frustration was, uh, I forgot exactly, oh, it was a fair catch when he had plenty of space, but Rich Passaccia came out and was had, had taken the blame for it and said we, we had predetermined that ahead of time. Um, I know that was one of the annoying things. I don't know. I, I'm not really remembering anything that he did particularly wrong in this game other than just not really getting much. I know there were a couple times where it's like, dude, go, 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 please get a yard. Come on. But I think in the grand scheme of things, I'm not super worried about that. We're talking about the difference of, of maybe five yards between a guy that's kind of hesitating and a guy that would just take off and run. Unless, unless again, we're talking about a Devin Hester or something that's just not available and doesn't exist out there. And I'm pretty sure we don't have on this team. So, yeah, I, all that to say, I don't think he's going anywhere. I know we at one point we'd picked up somebody that apparently was a returner or whatever, and I looked into it, and he's, he's not super good at it. Um, but who knows? Maybe, maybe they're during practice kind of working him in and trying different things and seeing how it goes. But uh, I, I, my thought is that Amari's going to be that guy. Now, there is a question of what happens with Kylan Hill when he returns, but Kylan Hill was not ever good at that job, ever. I think maybe some fans have it in their head mistakenly that he was a great returner. He wasn't. I think statistically he was worse than Amari. But, you know, if things really start to go south, really start to go sideways, maybe they'll start looking at a, at a, at a change. But 
if he can just catch the ball and run forward for a few yards, I think he keeps his job. I, I think that's just kind of the – I think that's the way that goes. Hey, back, Daddy. I know you said hey. uh, that thing is a joke about interviewing fans in the stands who are, uh, you know, sitting and being quiet on defense and yelling and screaming on offense. I actually would love to see that. Right? I would pay right? to see that. I would pay a, a pretty decent amount in, mm. in Patreon to uh, to see interviews like that. So there we go. I'm not saying you necessarily need to do it, but Somebody. I do want to extend uh, some of your some of your team to Jacob. have them go to games uh, when it's not too expensive. Uh, I I watch it. Uh, you know that's good content. Um, maybe you get with Matt <laughs> Ramage and see if yeah. you can. Uh, partner together and do something like that. But I would legitimately like to hear some answers as to why uh, they feel the need to do that. I need some answers from these season ticket holders that uh, seem to think that they're better than everybody else. Go Petco. See, the the problem, again, with the Petco thing, the problem with Matt Ramage is that he's too nice of a guy. You kind of got to be a little bit of a jerk to pull this off, right? Matt is great at the interview thing because he's a good person and people really like him. And so it it suits him. But that particular assignment, I don't think that's a ramage job. I mean, I, if he wants to do it, I'm, that's fine. But um, it would be it would be a travesty if somebody took a swing at Matt Ramage. I'm just saying, I mean, you, you can't swing at the guy. Somebody might. I don't know. We would need somebody else that's okay, kind of being a jerk, and is willing to. <laughs> I'm just picturing it. It's kind of hilarious, dude. That. I'm telling that's that's one of those things that um, and somebody's gonna steal this now. That's one of those things that absolutely goes viral, like a hundred percent that goes viral. If you can get somebody to produce that well enough, we should be talking to the uh, the Cheesehead TV guys. You know, we, here here's what should happen, and I, I don't know them, so I can't get this message to them. But I'll tell you exactly how this should work. Tyler Herrick does a really good job with their social media stuff, with the the graphics and the audio and all that stuff. And then, and I don't know if you could talk him into doing it, you need Corey Banky to be doing the interviews. Because not only does he have sort of a general demeanor of I just don't care, he's got a little bit of a temper. I just, I just think it's the exact, it just, it works perfectly for me. I, I don't know if you can get anybody to do that. Maybe it's, maybe it's not the right look for their brand or whatever, I don't know. Um, but you, you, you got, it just feels like that works perfectly. Otherwise, we got to figure it out. I don't know. I don't, I don't live out there, and I'm not going to a game. I know we could probably have JJ put something together as far as uh, being our Tyler Herrick, you know, producing it, making it pretty or something. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Jacob, I think, would be a good fit if we were to have somebody do the interview. I know he's kind of far away. He's got family, but it just kind of, I don't know. I feel like he'd be good for that job. I kind of think my sarcastic attitude would work quite well. But again, I'm not going to be out there. I don't know. I don't know. i to figure something out. If there's any volunteers, we, we can start doing auditions. We'll have to get something set up for the next home game, whenever that is. Got a schedule on my desk here somewhere, but a little dirty at the moment. Can't find it. It's buried under cups of coffee. I just, I think that would be hilarious. Guy just trying to relax and eat popcorn. Excuse me, sir. On a third down. And, and can you imagine how angry they're going to be? Like, if you stand up, they're going to throw a fit. Now they're trying to watch like a third down play and you're trying to do an interview in the middle of that. But again, you just be a sarcastic D-bag about it. And you're like, sir, I uh, seems like you're not busy. Wondered if I could ask you a few questions. I don't know. Somebody should do it. That's all I know. What's going on with Goose today? Hey, Ryan. Goose here. Hey, Goose. Just calling in to give my thoughts on the game. All right. I'm going to serve it like a crap sandwich. Okay. Sounds good. good. Thank you. Crap and then end with some good. So the good... Bakhtiari's back. The right side of the line seems to be solidified. We can trust that side to do what they need to do, if nothing else. Dobbs is developing into a weapon. Yep. Pretty good. Watson. Man, that kid is blazing fast. Super fast, yep. Love seeing that. Cobb is ever-reliable. Yep. And Lazard has hands that are like a gecko's. They just stick to the ball. He does not drop it. So that is really great. Jones and Dylan, great duo. They are our offense right now. We would be 
0-4 if we didn't have those two, for sure. Into the bad. Rogers. First half. Oh, my God. He couldn't hit a bull in the butt with the mop to use a Claytonism. That was horrible. That pit six was maybe the worst pass I've ever seen Rogers throw. Just abominable. Yes. So right side of our line Correct. is a problem. Jenkins, we got to move. Sorry, I'm, I... So, Goose, I'm with you. I promise you I'm paying attention, but that thing just happened on Monday Night Football where the guy ran um, with a pink flare. And I'm just trying to read uh, trying to read his shirt. I thought it said right to rescue cod, but uh, I'm thinking it's right to rescue.com, which I kind of want to go to, but I also don't want to give them any more hits on their website because the guy's stupid. Um, it's in San Francisco. It's a pink flare and his skin is translucent. So he's obviously a vegan. I don't want to support anything that he's out there for. And I'm glad he got hit by uh, Wagner, and I hope he has seven concussions. Go ahead. Down there or something? Move Myers out the guard? I don't know. Horrible. Unacceptable. And the defense can't stop the run. Aside from Kenny and Gary, who might be our best players, period. Worst run defense I've ever watched. It's pretty bad. And then the secondary... They get caught up in trying to help with the run, and play action comes, and wide receivers are so open, I could hit them. Pathetic. Unacceptable. Good news is we got the win. We are four games into the season. It's time to start playing big boy football. But we got the wins. There's... Another chance to improve next week. And I do believe that this team will improve. But Barry's got to stop playing the run defense to not lose. He's got to start attacking on run defense because waiting for them to come get us and getting five, six, seven, eight yards a pop is unacceptable. And the bottom slice of the crap sandwich, Mason Money Crosby. The guy is just reliable. Oops, you gone? Oh, your three minutes is up. Sorry about that, Goose. I was trying to get some stats to kind of back up what you were talking about as far as the the run defense and everything, and I had a thought. Next-gen stats tells you how many times they have eight men in the box. First of all, um, Aaron Jones so far still has never had an eighth defender in the box. I, I have to assume that has something to do with the way the Packers are are doing something. Because you would think at some point this year, somebody would have put an eighth defender in the box. He's one of only two. Aaron Jones, Daryl Henderson are the only two that have never seen an eighth defender in the box, ever. It's shocking to me. And then the funny thing is, if you look at this week, you know, kind of getting hard on A.J. Dillon and everything, Aaron Jones, obviously, zero times eight defenders in the box. So he was one of just a handful this week. Uh, A.J. Dillon had the fifth most, 41.18% of the time, he had eight men in the box. That's crazy. That has to do something with the way the Packers align these guys. Has to be. Very interesting. I was trying to find uh, New England on here to find out how many times we put eight men in the box. When I looked at the season, I saw New England, uh, Damian Harris, is that his name? Whatever his name is. He had a bunch, but then I look at week four. Uh, Not too much. Damian Harris, 27.78% of the time. So maybe the 10th most or something. And then Ramondre Stevenson, 21.43% of the time. So kind of kind of middle of the pack, I guess, with that. So I was trying to back you up there, Goose. I just, I, I, I came up kind of empty. But I, I found the Packers things interesting. So sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just kind of reiterating um, what Matt said, you know, th- there was a lot of positive. I mean, you your sandwich, I'm, I'm not going to lie, obviously the this the middle portion is going to have the worst taste, but the even even the outer portion of your sandwich sucks because there's like seven layers of bread on that thing. Nobody wants seven layers of bread on their, on their sandwich. It was a lot of bread, 
That is to say, a lot of positives. It's a long list of uh, things we're to like. And, and again, it's just, it's not that things aren't good. It's just that they're not clicking. It's just that they're not good enough consistently enough. Getting down the field is about consistency, and that's what we're lacking. It's not the quarterback. It's not the offensive line necessarily. It's not the wide receivers. The talent is there, and it shows up most of the time, but most of the time isn't good enough. 51% of the time is three and out every single drive, right? I mean, because unless they're 10-yard plays, you need to have more success than that. At the very least, you're punting every drive. Need to get up to, I mean, I don't know what the math is, but 70-80% success if you're going to get down and score a touchdown. We don't have that right now. Too clunky. All right, back to Matt, and then we'll take a break. Hi, Ryan. Uh, calling back. This is Matt from Madison again. Hey. Um, I did have one thing I wanted to add to my overly optimistic take. All right. Um, and that is that there is cause for concern with the Packers right now. But the tone from a lot of the messages yesterday seemed to think that uh, teams that are competing for a Super Bowl don't have causes for concern during the season. Yeah. And outside of the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm not sure there's a team that doesn't have a cause for concern. I mean, the Chiefs just lost the what? A team that couldn't beat the uh, Texans, team that couldn't score against the Jaguars. Um, I mean, I don't know. There's just a lot of good teams that have cause for concern throughout the season. And we're just one of them. All right. Thanks again. Bye. Yeah, and that's a point I've made in the past several times about, you know, negative fans. You know, they they talk about, for example, in the draft, a lot of the times the arguments they make are stupid because what they're saying isn't even bad. Like, oh, you look at Jordan Love. Look at that. How's that for a first-round draft pick? Even if we assume Jordan Love, let's just pretend Jordan Love is complete and utter garbage. The worst football player currently in the NFL. So what? Well, it's a failure. So what? Well, he's a first-round pick. Shouldn't he be better? Not necessarily. Why Why do you... What? How many first-round picks has, has Gutekunst had? How many of them have not panned out? What is the success rate of a first-round pick, especially a late first-round pick, which is what most of Brian Gutekunst, mid to late, are, are all, I think, of Brian Gutekunst's picks? It's, it's the same thing with the conversation about how many Super Bowls the Packers should have. Again, I just went back and I said, okay, I'm going to pick out Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I'm going to find out how many Super Bowls they have and then figure out over the course of 30 years how many Super Bowls they should have. And I came up with around three. And nobody wants, oh, that's, that's ridiculous. No, it's not. That's the number. That's the number. Because there's a huge pile of them who don't have Super Bowls. And then another big pile of like one. And then a very small pile of multiple Super Bowls. And it's the same thing with the draft. Oh, what a, what a garbage, you know, what a terrible pick MVS was. Why do you think that? Well, look at him. He can't do anything. How many wide receivers outside of the first and second round are even in the NFL anymore? You know what the answer is? Like zero. Actually, that's not true. It's one. His name is Marquez Valdez Scantling. And he just made a boatload of money. You know how many other third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks from that draft class? Wide receivers made a boatload of money? I'm guessing not many, if any. So context is important. And so, you know, again, you're right. You, you have to measure things against what reality should be. Here are the areas we need to fix. But, you know, the idea of this is embarrassing because every other team is, is so much better and we're, we're not a real contender. Who is a contender? Tampa? Who is a contender? Buffalo Bills? Bills are good. Although nobody seems to be paying attention to the fact that they scored 19 points and lost in week three and then only managed 23 the next week. It's two weeks in a row of pretty suboptimal scoring, and they have the same record as us. A lot of hype about the 2-2 two and two Jaguars who just lost. Bengals went to the Super Bowl. They're 2-2. Two and two. Massive struggling. They're maybe right in the ship, but, you know. You know, again, compared to who? The Jets? No. The Patriots? No. The Titans? No. The Colts? No. The Texans? No. The Raiders? No. The Chargers? No. The Broncos? No. The Chiefs? I mean, if you look at the entire AFC, you've got... Out of four, eight, 12, 16 teams, what, two? Two really good teams, Bills and, and Chiefs, and that's it out of 16? And even the contenders, which are the ones that we only want to compare to, not, not the rest of the average team in the NFL, 
we want to talk. Okay, then again, yeah. The uh, let's talk about the Chiefs. They lost seventeen to twenty against the Colts. How about the fact that they gave up thirty-one points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who suck? Right. I mean, the Bucks' offense has been terrible. Yeah, they hung forty-one on a really good defense. That's cool, but. There's issues. There's issues when for two weeks you can't really get your offense going, and then you finally get your offense going, but then you give up 31 points to a team that hasn't gotten their offense going at all. You're the first team that they've actually put up points against. Even the Eagles, a lot of people have a lot of questions, and I'm, I'm curious what's going to happen when they actually go up against a good team. People thought maybe it was the Jaguars. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they, not, they aren't. Washington's not good. Minnesota's not very good. Detroit's not very good. I don't think Arizona's very good. I don't think Dallas is very good. Pittsburgh is a joke. Houston's terrible. Washington's terrible. Indianapolis is terrible. We might be, if we're even a good team, we might be the first team that actually has a good, good, you know, chance of putting something up against them. The problem is, similar to the Vikings, they're a running team, and that kind of is our whole issue. But as far as pass rush, that's what he, that's what Jalen Hurts has not really seen enough of because the offensive line is so good. You start putting that man under pressure, and I'm curious what happens. Also, they got some real solid wide receivers. Have they are are they ever going to see corners that that are even competent? The Lions don't have it. The Vikings don't have it. The Commanders don't have it. Jaguars, I'm not sure. Cardinals, I know don't. They have a terrible defense. The Cowboys think they do in Trayvon Diggs, but they don't. They do have Micah Parsons, so there's going to be some pass rush with Dallas. That'll be interesting. They've got some good pass rushers there, but there are certainly questions. And and even you know offensively and defensively. Again, week one they gave up 35. For two of their weeks, they only scored 24. This past week was 29, which isn't bad, but it's not, you know, they scored 38 week one. They haven't really blown the doors off anybody since. You know, Dallas is three and one. Whoop-de-doo. Who did they beat? They got spanked by Tampa. That's just getting beat by, you know, everybody else. The Bengals are in complete chaos. They beat the Giants. Whoop-de-doo. And they beat Washington like everybody else does. Well, now they got the Rams and they got the Eagles coming up. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, there there really isn't a perfect team. and and. So long as there is a perfect team, it's just a matter of time before we find out why they're not perfect. You know, the the Arizona Cardinals last year was were perfect until they went up against the Green Bay Packers. The 7-0 Cardinals went up against the Green Bay Packers. Packers spanked them with all of our top weapons out, and they were never the same again. They were a juggernaut. I mean, very similar to um, the Philadelphia Eagles, right? This quarterback that is just playing out of his mind, he's athletic and he can throw and They've got all these weapons, and it's just this creative, fast defense and all these different things, and they got exposed one week, and then that was it. Poof, vanished. People don't even remember they were 7-0 and last year. Eagles are just 4-0, and so point taken. Uh, why don't we take a break? If you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is the place in which you can do that. Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry at FertileGroundRanch.org is the charity that we are supporting. If you'd like to check them out, that would be fantastic. You can find links pinned to the top of my Twitter. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Ryan. They hey, Goose. back to talk about the two wrestling things that really ticked me off in this game. All right. First, I'm sure everyone's talking about it. You already said they're there, but the no call on the game, the second one in a row, that resulted in a touchdown for the Patriots. That is just unacceptable. The time clock is like the most basic thing in the entire game. How do you get it that wrong? I understand if it's like it sat at zero for like a good full second. That was three seconds that that sat there for. Three seconds. I could see the defense even starting to move like, okay, where's the flag? No wonder why the Patriots got a touchdown off of that. Everyone's expecting this play to be called dead. Absolutely ridiculous that in this multi-billion dollar (laughs) product that they can't have refs get something as simple as watching the play clock right. That was just a fireable offense. Here's my question, now that you bring that up with the multi... Because every time somebody says that, my mind just immediately goes to how simple some of these things are to fix. And and I don't understand why we don't want to. I, I have to assume it's similar to the answer I get with baseball, which is that it's about the nostalgia of it. And it's, you know, it's a, it's all these things, right? Football is played with guys in striped shirts. And, and that's just kind of the way it is. And that's the way we like it. But who's, who's as far as fans are concerned, who's, who's fighting to keep this? I'm not saying refs have to go away entirely necessarily, but there are some very easy things that we can change. I'm not even talking about the chip in the ball because I can see a thousand issues with the chip in the ball. For example, where's the chip? Is it in? Is it like an, an entire football? Because if it's, if we're just talking about one side of the ball, that causes conflict. You'd have to see every single part of the ball. And then on top of that, how do you set up? I mean, you'd have to have some kind of like high-tech thing, like you stake in the ground. It'd have to have like a sensor from one side to the other, I, I guess. I don't. I don't know. I'm sure you could figure it out. Again, pay Elon Musk like a, a billion dollars; he'll fix all this, no problem. All right, we don't have a billion dollars, but I'm sure he would be able to do it. Just, just say you can put Tesla all over all this crap, and then uh, fix it. But this one in particular, I don't know how it could get much easier. You've already got the digital component figured out. It's a clock that's ticking down, right? So. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. A lot of things. The fact that everybody in the universe saw this happen, but the way that we do it is the back judge stares at the clock, and then when it gets to zero, he has to look to see if they snapped it yet, and half the time he's apparently not even doing that because it's obvious he was not staring at the clock and then immediately looked at the Patriots. That did not happen. He was not looking at the clock. There's, there's no other way around it. I mean, I'm not saying we have to go full NBA, but what does the NBA do? They've got a clock. Do they rely on refs like staring at the clock and then looking back to see if he shot it yet? No. They've got a big red square and a loud freaking buzzer. Again, maybe not the greatest thing in the NFL because you got that thing blaring all the time, but it could be anything. It could be the lights. You could just have something on the back judge so he doesn't have to stare at the clock. It could be a tone in his ear. It could be a human being saying clocks at zero so he could be staring at the ball. And yes, if we did happen to have a chip in the ball, this would all be kind of solved to begin with. Kind of easy to tell if the ball got snapped or not. And, you know, in our little computer here, if the clock got to zero and the ball didn't get snapped, then there's an auto penalty that's generated. And then we can put the big freaking buzzer on the board, right? Because the computer's doing all the work for you. Thing flashes red, delay a game flashes across the top of it. The refs don't even have to know what the heck is going on. Like, what the, what is that? Oh, okay, yeah, delay a game. I mean, it's just, the whole system with refing is weird. You know, we, we have to have, what, four people standing in strategic spots trying to watch, you know, 22 different guys at once? Come on. 
We've got so much going on with cameras in every square inch of this place. I don't know why we can't basically review almost every play. You don't even have to stop the game. You got the refs kind of doing their thing, but you also got people watching all the time. Well, it would slow down the game. Well, it would get it right, though, wouldn't it? And if you miss one, you miss one. Whatever. I'm not saying you got to get absolutely everything, but there are egregious calls. For here, here's, here's something else. Forget about the technology. All scoring plays are reviewed, right? Why couldn't they review? Well, we don't do... Why not? You have the ability to review it. An egregious error was, was made. You can look and see that. All you have to do is walk out onto the field and say, after review, the ball was not snapped before the clock hit zero, resulting in a delay of game penalty, etc., etc. I mean, there's, there's so many things, but we, we just have to pretend it didn't happen. Like, I don't know, we got a rule that says we can't fix our mistake. I mean, you can see it. Look at it. No, I'm not going to look at it. I'm not allowed to look at it. We got to keep moving on. Sorry. I know this is a major thing. I understand that, but nothing I can do. I mean, there is something I can do very easily, but I'm, it's against the rules for me to do the right thing for some reason. Why don't we have more people doing just this thing? Keep hearing about these mythical people in New York. What are they doing? You know what they should be doing is uh, the guys that are actually on the field. If you see it, fine, throw a flag. But you know what your job is to stand there and look stupid until somebody in New York gets in your ear and says, hey, penalty, throw the flag, and I'll force feed you what happened. And you have an army of people that are just watching. And for those concerned about, well, there would be too many flags, not necessarily because half of the bad calls are bad calls that should not have been made. So we can do away with those and then add in the calls that should be made, and it hopefully it kind of balances out. The benefit of the whole New York thing is that you've got a feed that you can kind of rewind. So if you see it, it's a penalty. But you have the opportunity to, let me check that one more time. And you rewind it, and you look at it, and you slow it down, you do it in slow-mo. The guy that's doing this live has no idea. He kind of saw what seemed to be a little tug. You know, like the horse collar tackle. Was it really? Where was the hand? Looked like a horse collar. Let me check that real quick. Rewind. There's the hand. Nope, never mind. Keep playing. And it would still be faster than the process we have now where somebody throws a flag and then they all kind of convene in the middle of the field and stare at each other and talk about what happened and which number it was. And he goes out there and he's saying offense when he means defense and we're cheering and actually, no, it's against your team. My bad. I'm an idiot. And I keep doing that this entire game and I don't know what I'm talking about and I don't know how many yards it is. Come on, man. I mean, are we penny pinching to this degree? Because I know we can do it. I know you can afford it. You can get people that aren't, they're not asking for that much money. 40 grand will train you, and all you got to do is be a guy that watches football like half the year. The other half the year, I don't care what you do with your life. You know, you go to like a training program a couple times in the off season. We'll have a little seminar, put, put together a little spread, a little pasta, you know, some hors d'oeuvres, and then we'll teach you how to watch videos of uh, things that happen. And push a button to talk to the guy down on the field and be like, hey, throw your flag and blow your whistle. And you don't even have to convene in the middle. You just run to the middle of the field and somebody talks into your ear and they say, holding offense number 76. And you're just a trained monkey that just repeats after the guy in your ear. Anyways, I'm sorry. Go on. I don't generally wish for people to lose their jobs, but Buddy had one job to watch the play clock, and if he can't do that, then he does not need to be a line judge or whatever he is for the NFL. Get someone in there that's competent. It's ridiculous, especially with how much money rides on these games now with the legal betting. Yeah, man. You would think Las Vegas would be like, yo, get this joker out of here. He's a piece of trash. It's actually a really good point. There's a lot of money on the line. There's a lot of people making money on this thing being correct. Um, can you imagine if you're... Uh, I mean, the amount of money people are probably losing on bad calls. I mean, I get mad just because it's my team. And we won the game. Listen how mad Goose is. He didn't lose a penny, and we won the game. He's ready to start punching dolphins. I don't know if they have dolphins out by him. Probably. They're out there somewhere. I have to swim out and find them, but you can punch them real good. Can you imagine if you had like 30 grand on the line? I mean, Packers to cover. Not that they do with that, but I mean, that, that, would, that would kind of uh, be a little bit annoying. And that happens all the time. And yeah, this, this whole gambling thing is just starting to ramp up. And we're talking billion dollar, 
dare I say, trillion-dollar industry? At least that's what it's going to be ramping up to, if it isn't already. I mean, when this becomes legal in all 50 states and the NFL is fully invested in it and all that stuff, I mean, this is an insane amount of money. And the NFL is going hand-in-hand with it. You can't be just ripping these. And then again, does Vegas actually care? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't just I guess just don't gamble. I don't know what to tell you. The second thing, the Dobbs drop. Yep. Which yes, if that's in the open field, I agree that's a drop. You cannot let the ball force the ball out of your hands. But if a receiver catching a ball at the absolute edge of the sideline in the end zone and getting their toes down long as they have that ball in their hand and their toes touch, that's a catch for a touchdown? Or if just the ball breaking the plane in your hand is a touchdown, then that ball going into Dobbs' hand and him getting two feet down should be a touchdown. The rest of the field, yeah, you got to complete that catch. But end zone, you got that ball in your hands, your feet are on the ground, that's a touchdown. Anyways, that's what I had to rant about. Love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, that whole thing is weird, and I, I've been—I guess I've never really put that much thought into it before, as far as why the rule is what the rule is. Um, just I just know that it's stupid no matter what. But I, I was looking at that saying I don't know why that's not a touchdown. I mean, I, I understand what the rule is. I'm saying the thought behind it, because anybody looking at that can see that was clearly a catch. And then you know he was down. His legs, you know, his knees hit before the the ball came out. His elbow hit. He had the ball clearly, and then the ground kind of pried it from him. And I think it really just, I don't know, but I I think this comes down to how do we know when somebody actually has possession of the ball? And they came up with, you pretty much just have to stand up and still have it. Otherwise, you didn't actually catch it. And as I'm thinking about it, I'm saying, well, that's stupid. You know, if if you have the ball and you clearly are are holding it, and your your feet are down, then then it's a it's a catch. Right? You possessed it while your feet, knees, elbows, whatever are down in the end zone. It's a catch. But then I thought hypothetically, what if a guy was like on his knees when he quote unquote caught it, and it kind of just bounces off his chest? That's presumably not a catch, although he possessed it for like a billionth of a second when it hit his chest because he never possessed it. But then we're getting into when did he actually possess it? So then it's, okay, well, what if what if he kind of caught it with two hands for a second and then for whatever reason it dropped out of his hands? Well, he possessed it for a second and then he dropped it. But, you know, based on what we're talking about now where you just have to kind of hold it for a second and your knees are down, it's a touchdown. You know what I mean? It, it, it gets into such stupid territory where I kind of get what they're saying but I also don't like the conclusion that they came to because you should be able to look at that and say that was a catch. But I think when you have to put everything into black and white terms, like we have to write something down here and there's going to be situations where whatever we write down is going to be used in a way that's going to make it so that it clearly wasn't a catch, but we have to rule it a catch now. And maybe there's some verbiage out there that makes it a catch, but I I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Now we're talking about how long did you hold the ball for? Well, doesn't that kind of depend? When you hit the ground, you know, there's so many different ways you can catch a ball and drop a ball that although I'm looking at that going, dude, he caught it. He caught it. He had it. I really wish the NFL saw that for what it was. But again, every time I try to think about what, how could we rule something a catch? I think about a scenario where, you know, so I don't know. I kind of come back to the, to looking at that and saying, although I kind of wish that we could just acknowledge what it seemed to be, which is a catch. I think I end up just sitting here saying, you just got to hold on, man. You know what I mean? You, you just, you got to hold on harder so that it doesn't come out when you hit the ground. That's, that's the, that's the reality of it. As annoying as that is, I'm just going to throw it back on Dobbs and say, you got to do a better job because, you know, and again, that that's somebody called in about it and said, he, he doesn't really seem to secure the ball very well. And we saw two instances in one game. And you, you could say that this is different. I don't think that it is. You know, again, Lazard, people are grabbing him by his wrist. They're grabbing the football and tackling him by the football because he has a death grip on that thing. That may as well be his firstborn child. He's never letting that thing go. Dobbs seems a little bit more loosey-goosey with it, you know? You need to hold on to that thing for dear life. 
Like, like your actual life depends on it. And I don't think you have a fumble and I don't think you have a drop. You know, Aaron Jones, slightly different situation because I would assume he lost consciousness for a half a second there when the ball came out. Different situation, getting blasted from behind from Vita Vea against when we played Tampa. But um, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying and I, I do think there should be something better, but I'm, I'm, I'm good with it because I can't think of a better solution. All right, we're, we're running long here, uh, so we've got four calls. I'm going to do one more, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap her up. What's up, Brian? This hey. is Blake's dad. Hey, Blake's um, dad. I was at the game, section 128. Um, I thought the fans were pretty loud. My section, um, they, were, they were cheering pretty much. Every t- uh, the whole time we're on defense, I was trying to get the guys to stand up. Um, or, uh, yeah, when we're on defense, getting them to stand up, scream, be loud. We had, like, on the Jumbotron, said, like, seven or eight fan um, penalties that play a game or timeouts or whatever, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, like I, I know somebody called in and said that it was pretty bad. I thought it sounded loud. From from my perspective, it's hard to tell from home, but, you know, again, the Sunday night game, it was quiet. I'm I'm sorry. It just it just was. If you were in a loud section, that's cool. Um, but it was quiet, and I saw when they panned into the crowd, people sitting around. That's just what it is. This game, I didn't see it. When they showed the crowd, everybody was on their feet. I saw men, women, and children screaming, and um, the noise was was way up there. So although there was a little bit of the, you know, trying to get people to be quiet, which is a problem, I didn't see that much of an issue. But again, I wasn't there, and somebody called in and said I was there, and people still sucked. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that. But again, there has never been a time when I've mentioned the the crowd noise and somebody doesn't call in and say, actually, I was there and it was loud. That's just, that's <laughs> every time. But then, yeah, on offense, guys are still standing up, and I just don't understand. You yeah. see, if we're putting his arms down, I'm telling people, stop, quiet. doesn't make any sense to cheer when they, they can't hear. Yep. Um, but, yeah, that was cool. I saw, I had video of the Watson touchdown happened right in front of me his first career. Nice. And the Dobbs, that was a touchdown. So, you know, they showed on a jump on it. Ref was getting eaten in the stadium when they called that. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool, I guess, to see those two right in front of me. And then I was just wondering, uh, I think it was that squidly diddly dude. Part of his voicemail, for some reason, made me think straight to sounds just like the dude that played Jeffrey Dahmer in Netflix. <laughs> Do I need to watch that? I really don't want to. I really don't. I, I've, I used to be obsessed with that stuff when I was younger. When I was a teenager, and my brother's buddy brought over that faces of death thing or whatever it's called. That was like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like I, I was obs- I couldn't believe that there was video of this. Like, you know, I mean, it's, if you don't know what it is, it's, it's, it's not fake. <laughs> it's real like documentary footage of, of the worst things you could possibly imagine. Um, well, not the worst you can possibly imagine. It, it, it gets significantly darker than that. Uh, that's just kind of one level of dark things. But anyways, not going down that road. Point is, I can't handle it anymore. I can't. I, I occasionally, like on on Facebook or whatever, there'll be this video of here's the um, the police interview of somebody that like butchered his family, and it's like I can't do it, dude. Like it, it'll ruin my entire day. I'll I'll end up watching it, and I it's it's just my whole day's ruined. I can't handle it anymore. I can't handle that kind of stuff. Just everything about it just kind of just just upsets me to my core. But everybody's talking about this thing on Netflix, and every time I'm like, no, I'm not doing it, I end up doing it way later, and it ends up being awesome. So do I need to watch this? Is this the thing I need to do? Because I just, I'm not into it anymore, you know? I mean, I guess, as weird as it is, Dahmer is probably not that bad, just because, I don't know, it's kind of old news, right? I don't think there's any part of that story that I, it's not true. If there's a big, long Netflix documentary, there's probably some nuggets I've never heard before, but. I don't know. It's mostly like new, new stories, people that do stuff. And it's like, man, it just makes me sick. Can't do it anymore. But let me know. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I'm curious what people think about that series because people are talking about it nonstop and I, uh, I'm avoiding it, but I'm also very curious. Sorry. Uh, do, 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 Where's my cursor? Here we go. There we go. I don't know if he's practicing that or what, but he was pretty spot on with some of the, his, um, Sounds the way he was talking. Don't know if you saw it, but yeah, just thought that was funny. All right, later.
Sounds like the guy that's playing. All right, well, let's let's do this. Let's play the squiddly diddly thing, and then let's play Dahmer because I'm sure I can find something on uh, on YouTube. Hey, squiddly diddly again. What was with that timeout, man? They never wait catch you that ball. Come on. Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, I heard a Lambo magic, but that's ridiculous. My family sent me a bunch of meat. I forgot to plug that little freezer in. I kind of think, if I had to guess, we're just talking about a uh, Wisconsin accent. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm thinking. Anyway, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a good old time. We'll uh, pick up on this tomorrow. We do have three more calls as well as some of the older ones from last week, so we might have enough to stitch together an episode. But please call in 608-501-0718. Leave a message, and we'll, uh, we'll get the thing going. Have a good night. Thank you.